Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your partner is attracted to your friend, (laughs) when your friends still hang out with your abuser, Mm. and when your partner's best friend is also their ex. Oh my God, lots of friend issues going on here. I didn't think of that. This is the friends episode. Got it. The ones, the one with the friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners. So don't yeah. believe us when we talk about anything, really. <laughs> yeah. It's the safest bet, really. Uh, we are not professionals. We are not trained in any of this. We're just two podcast hosts. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So welcome to this week's episode, Samuel. Uh, we have like, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> we have a little bit of an announcement for our listeners. Little oh, bit, yes, a little bit, a big do. bit of an announcement. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So many of you have used your internet sleuthing skills to figure this out already, Yep. <laughs> but we are announcing that our um, partnership with Spotify is coming to an end yes. um, in an amicable way. Right. Um, uh, and so we are no longer going to be Spotify exclusive which means that we are really committed to continuing to do this podcast and make it as sustainable as possible for us to be able to do it, which is why you should subscribe to our Patreon, but that's neither (laughs) here nor there. Um, But we are also really excited because it does mean that we get to be on all of the platforms that people use to listen to podcasts. So we are going to be able to reach a much wider audience um, again um, we're thankful for Spotify for the work that they've done to build us up. And yes, to, it was a wonderful um, year. Absolutely. Get our name out there. We grew our listenership um, in our time with Spotify. And now we're excited to continue to grow it as we get onto other platforms. Yeah. Um, and just know that you're probably going to see some changes come down the pike in the way that the that we earn our money. Basically, yeah. that's all I'm going <laughs> to yeah. say there. To make, in, in the ways in which we make this podcast sustainable. As said, yes. Sam said... You know, in his little aside, um, one, you know, now again, like it was before our Spotify contract, Patreon is our number one source of mm-hmm. sustainability right now. So if you haven't supported us on Patreon, it's just five dollars a month or five dollars like once <laughs> you can cancel it at any time. <laughs> um, but there's also True. other tiers and other um, rewards if you want to check it out at patreon.com slash just break a pod. Um, but yeah, as Sam said, I think that we are both you know, saddened that this came to an end and also really excited, really excited Mm -hmm. to be back on all platforms because we know um, that's, that's how we wanted to be, but we wanted to also see where we could take that partnership. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but so in light of this news, um, when we, when we found this out a couple months ago or whenever we did, you know, we as a team really started strategizing about, what our upcoming year would look like, how we could continue this podcast in um, a meaningful and sustainable way. And um, we have some really cool, exciting new projects coming along um, to help us Mm -hmm. in that um, 
adventure. <laughs> uh, and we've been working really hard on it. And um, like Sam said, you might see some changes in the in the next couple of weeks. But because we've been working so hard and to sort of like denote this change, um, we are going to take next week off. We are not going to put out a primary episode. Keep in mind, we have put out a primary episode 50 weeks out of the year for the last two and a half years that we have done this. Um, so we are going to give ourselves one week off to sort of solidify all of these changes so that you can go and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all of those places that we're going to be back on now. Um, and then when we come back, we have some amazing new content uh, to put out that we're so, 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 so proud of that we really see um, as a great way to grow Just Break Up as, a, as an entity. So make sure you're following us on like Instagram, uh, there may or may not be a Just Break Up TikTok that I made begrudgingly ag <laughs> against my will. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. It's because I don't have a TikTok and I just was like, you know, I just didn't want to do it because I waste so much time on Instagram already. Even mm -hmm. Happily, though, because that's where we post all, you know, like I have to be on it for work. Anyway, I know it's where the future, a.k.a. the young people are. <laughs> <laughs> so there may or may not be a Just Break Up pod TikTok, so you could go follow us there. Um, we will be putting out that new content there on Instagram, etc. cetera. Um, and yeah, just uh, so, so it's going to be the first Monday in September. No episode. Uh, but yes. we will have our Patreon episode. Um, so if you're desperate for that good, true relationship advice, you can always support us for $5 and get two and a half years of backlog episodes, I think. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, we're really excited. Um, I, I just, on a personal note, I want to say when we first found out, I was like really sad. <laughs> I was, I felt like I was dumped and fired all in one day. They were very nice about it. it I'm not bad mouthing Spotify at all, but I'm just, you know, I'm an emotionally tender little thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and right away, Sam and Spencer, like the best teammates ever were like, this is all right. This is going to be fine for us. This is a great opportunity. <laughs> there, here are ways that we can make this, you know, like, um, I just have the best fucking team of best friend business partners <laughs> ever. And we truly are so excited to be on all listening platforms again. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and excited for this new content to, to come out. We, Sam and I may or may not be on the cover of a magazine coming out. <laughs> what? I know! I can't believe it. A yeah. magazine? Yes. Can you believe? Yes. Uh, not like a national magazine or anything. <laughs> yeah, no. Like a local <laughs> queer publication. It's great. <laughs> well, you gave it away right there if you do some quick Googling. <laughs> um, anyway, I just wanted to say that, that... Uh, our team is amazing. Our listeners are amazing. Thank you for supporting us on our transition to Spotify. And we hope that you'll support us on our transition back to all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, the like, all of them out there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say it all? Did I it all, all of those. Yeah. Yes. I was just waiting if there were like the list was going to continue or if those no, were the only ones. I know were that there are some Android about. players that I can't think of. Yeah. Isn't there one about like storm clouds or something? Oh my God. I think. Oh my God. Oh my God. Spencer, <laughs> leave that in and we're not going to explain to him what that is. <laughs> it's SoundCloud. 
<laughs> oh. No, not that one. There's another one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Overcast. Then... Overcast. That's what it's called. <laughs> that is so cute. Um, Stormcloud. That is Viper's last name. <laughs> if y'all remember that yes, joke. Yes, Viper Stormcloud. That's great. Sam wanted to be called Viper when he was little. Okay. Anyway. Uh, that's our update. Don't explain it to them because then they want to go back. And yeah, they yeah, hear yeah, what yeah. The joke is about. One day when we're when we're doing this podcast for five years, maybe I'll get it. Um, anyway, <laughs> thanks everyone. Um, we're taking next week off, but you can catch an extra episode on Patreon. And after the first week of September, or actually now, you can find us on all listening platforms. Yeah, you could find us now if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On all of them. Yep. <laughs> all right, cool. let's get into some letters. Let's do it. All right. Here's our first letter. It is from Mush XOXO, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from WTF USA. I love to vacation there. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb joke, but I had to. All right. Dear Sam and Sierra, I love you guys and would literally cry if you read my letter on your podcast. No pressure, though. (laughs) (laughs) I found you guys during a hard time living in another country and y'all help keep me stable through a wild time. Anyway, I finally have a sitch for you that feels worthy. So here it is. A friend of mine, she, her, and my boyfriend, he, him, are attracted to one another and it makes me uncomfortable. What the fuck do I do? Last week, we, my boyfriend and I, had dinner with her and another friend of ours and during which my boyfriend's body language was completely directed at her and was talking solely to her at the table a few times. Later that night, I brought it up. He acknowledged his fall, understood why I was uncomfortable, and committed to being more sensitive the next time we hang out as to not make me uncomfortable. But I was just hanging out with them literally an hour ago where they were basically just talking to each other the whole time. They have a lot of similar interests that aren't my wheelhouse, so I get that they just want to chat. But the whole time, I felt like I wasn't even there. I tried to make eye contact with both of them several times with fail, then left to, quote, catch a train because I was uncomfortable. I really had a train to catch, but not for another half hour. Context. Over a year ago, my friend had expressed being sexually attracted to both me and my partner, and though she didn't straight up suggest a threesome, I took it as an interest. I brought it up with my boyfriend, and we were excited about it and fantasized about it, but decided to wait to bring it up because our friend was stressed and busy with school and leaning on me for a lot of emotional support so it didn't feel right. Then she got a boyfriend, who she is still with, and we let it go. So both her and my boyfriend have expressed attraction for each other through me. And now whenever I'm around them, I'm super sensitive to it. I don't know if I'm being overly concerned, but my anxious brain is imagining them frolicking around behind my back or running away together. In reality, or whatever it is, both my friend and my boyfriend are amazing people that I would never think to want to make me uncomfortable, but I just can't let it go. My reaction is to avoid having them around one another, but I see her so often and I live with him. Do you think it's fair for me to pick apart my boyfriend's behavior and tell him to put his dick away when we are around her? Also, I (laughs) just so just so to the point. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, is he taking it out? It's like, that's a different thing. That we should be talking uh, about for sure. <laughs> also, I have only talked to my boyfriend about it and not her. Should I talk to her? Question mark. Uh, okay. Thanks for listening to my anxious brain drama. Love you. Mush XOXO. 
Um, I'll also share that Mush sent in a PS to that letter um, afterwards, which is just to say that it's an important note that my boyfriend has ADHD and possibly other undiagnosed attention deficit related disorders that do affect his communication style and ability Mm. to read social cues at times. Mm. I bring this up because we don't all process communication and social scenarios the same and just wanted to be sure that perspective is noted. Facts. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, Mush, my darling. First, let me just relieve your anxious little brain by saying you're not a bad person for having these anxious, intrusive thoughts about two people that you love and care about a lot. It's just our own fantastical brain's way of self-sabotaging. Um, it, you know, one that I relate to deeply as an anxiously attached person. Um, mm. uh, I am going to try to like push you into some uncomfortable spaces in which um, you no longer let those intrusive, anxious thoughts, uh, I don't know, ruin your day, ruin, you know, ruin yeah. your time with mm-hmm. your friends, make you go catch that early train. Um, but I first just wanted to start by saying this is so relatable and so understandable. And the last thing I want you to do is feel like a bad person for having these thoughts. Absolutely. Yes. Um and I'll also say, too, that it um, it can be challenging to know that your partner has attraction to other people. I like, would be honestly. deeply <laughs> triggered. <laughs> um, and to have that experience of, like, just knowing, knowing for real, for real. For real, for real. That this, that this person is attracted, that they're attracted to each other, right? right? You're not just, like, making it up. It's you're actually, like, aware of their attraction to each other. Yeah. You know that they, that they've fantasized about each other or whatever it is yeah that they Um, they would get it if it could be gotten (laughs) mm -hmm. that's absolutely true and it's important to remember too that we're attracted to a lot of people all the time and we don't act on those attractions right like there are people that walk down the street that i'm attracted to there are people in my life that i am friends with they're close to that i am attracted to and i also can recognize the fact that like Yes, attractions aren't always appropriate to act on. I can, I have, you know, control over or the capacity to um, put those attractions aside and say like, yes, I'm attracted to those people and I'm choosing to be monogamous with Peter. And so that is really where I'm going to put my time and attention. Yes, totally. And your boyfriend and your friend are also capable of doing that. Yeah. Right. Like just as a reminder that just because you know they're attracted to each other doesn't mean that either of them is planning on or is going to act on that attraction. Right. We get to make decisions about how we behave. And um, and it seems like your partner and your friend haven't given you any strong indications that they're going to be acting on this, besides the fact that they seem to also get along really well. Yes, totally. They seem like they have a lot of shared interest, as you shared with us. Um, mm. And they probably enjoy each other's company and also find each other attractive. But that that doesn't equate infidelity. It doesn't equate leaving you and running off into the sunset, right? And I, mm-hmm. I was thinking, too, you know, I've heard it said a lot for um, an argument f- for polyamory or, like, why people choose that. Um, is the expression of saying that, you know, if I love one person and love another person, my love isn't diminished. You know, I'm, I'm fully sure. capable of loving one person wholly and another and another or whatever. Um, and I really love that word. And I think it's true for attraction as well, that especially for attraction, like our 
to be attracted to to more than one person, that attraction isn't diminished as it's spread around, you know? And I think that's mm. some, that's like an, an archaic um, belief for me that's like rooted in middle school. <laughs> I've always, I've <laughs> yes, brought up- Yes, very archaic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you know, I brought up a dozen episodes ago about what, like when my boyfriend told me that he thought Britney Spears was hot, also free Britney. Um, I- remember thinking like, how is that possible? How could you think that Brittany is hot, which she obviously is. And then She's how am I also love that her Instagram is all just now her of her with her shirt off. Just like yeah, covering literally her free with Brittany. Her hands. It's like, she's just like, it's all out there. So I'm I know, just going to keep it. doing it. I fucking it. love it. I would post way more like naked photos if I, you know, ha- ha- had them. Never mind. <laughs> Trail off. Listen, if I was Britney Spears, I'd post all the fucking naked pictures I wanted. Anyway, moving on. I couldn't pr- comprehend back then when I had like, you know, when I was much more insecure and I had less emotional tools and less world experience. I couldn't comprehend how you could think to me and this literal pop star are both hot. Um, mm-hmm. But that was also existing in a world or functioning in a in a world in which I saw love and relationships as possessional and attractiveness Mm. as um, conditional or uh, diminishable that it was like, it could only be bestowed on X, Y, and Z. Don't get me wrong, Mush. Let me tell you, I could literally get nauseous thinking about the people my wife thinks are attractive. (laughs) (laughs) I could literally be like, Oh God, that's just so gross. However, that isn't that's an archaic wound. That is the that is the leftovers of a person that I don't want to be anymore. A person who believes mm. that like there's only one pretty crown and one person gets to wear it at a time. No, no, no. It's like mean girls. You break that shit up. Everybody gets some. No, everybody gets their own crown. Take that metaphor out of there. <laughs> we don't need to break up one. Everyone can yeah, get their well, own. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not like you get 20% of pretty and you get 30%, you know. Everybody is 100% of their own attractiveness. Um, yes, absolutely. I feel like I started off really strong there and then just derailed. <laughs> no, it's great. It's the story of our whole podcast. Yeah. Um, I also really do appreciate you, Mush, sharing about your boyfriend's ADHD and that he doesn't necessarily pick up on social cues. And um, I think I re- appreciated because it also like really resonated with mm. me too and, and let me sort of see myself in your boyfriend of like, well, it is weird that he would be only talking to the person um, and not talking to anyone else. But just like remembering all of the times in which I feel so much more comfortable only talking to one person, like only talking to the person totally. that's still, like seated right next to me um, rather than sort of participating in big group conversations. And I don't say that as a way to diminish your your anxiety about this or like belittle your anxiety about this. But I just offer it as you have just sort of reflecting it back to you as a different perspective of what could be going on here. Because I think what our anxious brains do to us is we fixate on one possible thread that is the worst case scenario or the thing that is like, well, this has to be true because I'm an unattractive person or it's impossible for him to like me. And also like her, she obviously is better than me because they have more shared interests in common, right? Like this narrative that we do where we sort of compare ourselves to everyone else and find ourselves short in every way. 
Um, and instead just offering multiple different things that could be true instead that are probably also true um, of he might just be awkward and like yeah. only wants to talk to one person. He might just really like talking to her because they have shared interests. Um, but that doesn't mean that he wants to be with her. He just wants to talk with her about Star Trek, right? Like when I get around a person who wants to talk to me about Star Trek, the rest of the world disappears. Honestly, it's just me and that one person. And I'm like, okay, let's get into it. So like, I just want to, I want to offer a lot of no, different perspectives here to to help like alleviate some of the, to help disrupt, let's say, instead the single track that your brain might be on right now. There are right. multiple ways that this could, that could be going on. And the way that you can find a solution, the way that you can find the answer or at least part of the answer is to talk to your boyfriend about it and ask him about the things that are happening, not in an accusatory way of like, wow, you only talk to her. You're an awful person. But which I know that you wouldn't do, to be clear. Right. But in a way that is curious about it, like, oh, I saw you and her talking quite a bit. Like, what were you talking about? What like just like understanding some of the things, because, you know, I could imagine that if someone saw me talking to a friend really intensely for like three hours, they might be like, oh, my God, they must really like each other. But it's probably just because they were like, hey, I have some questions about Imperial Russia. Do you have answers to them? And I was like, yes, let me talk to you for the next four hours about that because you opened the can of worms. And so now it's like it's a Pandora's box. You can't you can't close it after you open it. It just all comes out. (laughs) Um, Yes, uh, I totally appreciated literally everything you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Advice and otherwise. Um, uh, Sam's totally right. There are a hundred reasons beyond their mutual attraction, why they want to talk to each other. Um, I do think though, as an anxious person, as it sounds like you possibly might have an anxious attachment style. um, What Sam is so good at reminding me is that I am not solely responsible for processing my anxious triggers by myself. I always think that it's like Mm -hmm. my dirty laundry that I have to deal with and I just have to suck it up and blah, blah, blah. I would encourage you to say to your boyfriend, um, so I'm having these insecurities. I've really worked through them and I, and I recognize that they're coming from a place that doesn't feel genuine to how I actually believe what I actually believe. Right. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know about them so that maybe the next time we're together, because I don't want to stop hanging out because I love you both very dearly. And it's obvious that you are good friends. It's obvious that you like each other. Um, Can you hold my hand when we're together? Can you, is there a way that you can nod to me that reminds me that I am capable of shutting off that anxiety wheel, that I am capable Mm -hmm. of pushing away those paranoid thoughts, right? Um, I have found a lot of strength in leaning on my partner's uh, secureness, um, not having them solve my anxious problems for me, but having their stability, their secureness be a foundation for me to uh, alleviate that anxiety myself. So what is that going to be? Like you, does he hold your hand during those conversations? Does he, uh, I don't know, um, ask you a question, you know, what, how can we, how can we have your needs and his communication style meet in the middle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you and him, you and he can even come up with some sort of sign that you give each other when those uh, feelings are flaring up so that he knows that, that you're feeling anxious and you know, whatever the sign is 
that he's telling you all of the things that he would tell you if you were yeah. alone together and he would be yeah. talking this through with you. Right. That's so, so like true. if you're if you're feeling that anxiety, can you say, OK, when I'm feeling that anxiousness, I'm just going to grab your hand and all I need you to do is look at me and smile at me or something like that, where it can be like, right. I, I want you to know I'm feeling a little anxious. And he can say, I see you. I hear you. And you're OK. This is, you know, we're going to get through this together. Right. Yeah, totally. It doesn't necessarily. I think if we can. The more the more we can develop shorthand with our partners that allows us to to really combat some of those anxious feelings. Um, it sort of, it helps us to remind ourselves of that. those conversations that we have when we're in private together. Um, and so can you, can you ask him if that's something that you all can agree to? And can you exactly what Sierra said too? Can you do the work to say like, okay, he smiled at me. Remember what this means. Remember the conversation mean, right? we had last night where he <laughs> said he loves me and that he's, he doesn't mean to make me feel uncomfortable when he's doing this. And he just gets really excited about Star Trek and he doesn't he doesn't even think what's <laughs> happening. Right. Like whatever it is. Processing through that together. Um, and I like that because it requires both of you to do a little work in yeah, that, too, where I he has to, to stop talking and, and be like, hey, listen, yep. Recognizing what's happening. So see if that is something that can can be helpful for you all as well. But know that it's OK to be feeling this way. Um these anxieties uh, don't mean that you're a bad person or a bad girlfriend. They are just anxieties. They are thoughts that come up. They are feelings that come up, which are not always in our control. So, um, I, but I think that if you and he work together on this to find a way to, to help assuage some of those anxieties together, um, you're going to find a way to be much more comfortable with the fact that he really gets along with your friend, which is also really great, right? Like, so many letters we get are like, my friends all hate my partner, but like, seems like they're really clicking. So that's mm -hmm. good. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, thank you so much for writing, Mush. Uh, we wish you luck and we hope that this helps. <clears throat> we love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoiding person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, everyone. Our next letter comes from Sad Little Toad, who is writing from Stinky, Texas, which is also where I like to take my vacation. Hi, besties. I have a question for y'all that's been bugging me for months. Is it okay to feel weird about one of your friends still hanging around your abuser? Back in February, I found out that through Snapchat that a friend I've known for years was hanging around my abusive ex, a boyfriend of five years. Seeing his face and hearing his voice unexpectedly really triggered me, so I reached out to her. I explained to her that I'm not trying to tell her who she can and can't be friends with, but wanted to let her know what type of person she's associating herself with. That his and I's relationship did not end badly just because he lost feelings, but because he emotionally and mentally abused me for many years. I expressed that seeing him really took a toll on my mental health and asked that if she chooses to still hang around with him to please use Snapchat chat's option of blocking me from viewing her story for the day. She apologized profusely for unintentionally hurting me and understands how it'll make me uncomfortable and promised not to do it again. Cut to last night where I get on Snapchat, which I hardly do now, and I open her story and there he is again. This again threw me off. I'm not sure what to do now or if I should even waste my breath again. I've known her since we were six years old. We're 21 now. So the fact that she's actively choosing to hang around him, knowing how much trauma he's caused me, really hurts my feelings. Am I justified to feel this way? Should I not say anything and just avoid watching any of her stuff? Is it wrong that I don't want to be want her to be friends with him? 
For small context, I officially cut ties with him May of last year and have been going to therapy to work through all my trauma. That's why just hearing his voice can be immensely can immensely deteriorate my mental health. She also doesn't hang out with just him alone. They hang out with a few other people who are also their friends. Thank you so much for reading and for everything y'all do. You truly are the purest souls out there. Aww, that is wildly untrue, but I will take the compliment. Yeah, it's like, this soul is not pure, friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my darling, my sad little toad. Um, I First, I just want to say I love you so much. I'm so sorry you went through that. I'm so glad that you are on the other side of it. Um, but I'm still sorry that there's there are those splinters, those remnants that um, keep coming back and and putting fear in your heart. Um, I know how hard mm. that can be. And I think Sam and I have both had similar situations to this or can deeply relate to this. Um, mm. And yeah, it, you're... You're not a bad person for wanting her to not be friends with this person. I think there's one of the steepest hills in healing from abusive heartbreak is accepting that your shitty ex is going to have a happy, whole, fruitful life beyond you, you know, and that that's Mm going to be happy. That's that's coexisting right now with your healing is that they're out there living their life, <laughs> doing mm-hmm. the things they do, whether toxic or or not toxic, whether abusive or better, you know, like mm-hmm. healed or unhealed, they're out there living this whole life and they have a they have that they have their own social circle, their families, their their other exes, uh their coworkers who all have different experiences of them. And that can be really fucking emotionally confusing when you're trying yeah. to untangle the gaslighting that you've experienced for years when you're trying to root yourself in what you know to be true i know he was abusive i know he treated me like x y and z and then you see the rest of the world or or just one person out there in the world saying nope this person's my friend that is not my experience with them first of all that's totally fine that is their experience but when you're trying to do that work of healing yourself of the ungaslighting right it can be really fucking challenging to have any sort of opposition to, to your own secure narrative, like thrown in your face. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wish that karma was instant, right? That it was like, oh, this person I don't, was an asshole. Because I would, li- I would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Maybe I don't wish that. Um, but right, Sorry. like the idea that this person was an asshole and so therefore they shouldn't have friends or they should yes. be really unhappy and in, in the rest of their life or whatever. Um, and that doesn't happen. And yeah. the really complex, nuanced relationships that they can that they have are going to continue to be complex and nuanced. And um, and that can be really challenging because it it goes against I think what we have, what our instincts are often, which is that we want things to be really black and white. We want them to make sense and to to really fit into bad people, have bad things happen to them and good people have good things happen to them. And right. just this sort of polarized mindset that that we can sometimes fall into. And the reality is, is that no matter 
if we see the world as being complex and nuanced or if we see the world as being black and white, the world is going to continue to be complex and nuanced. <laughs> like it's not no matter how hard we try to impose some of the that that thinking on it or that order or that structure or that attempt to make sense of things. It's just never going to make sense. It right. is never it is never going to feel Right. Right. So like you ask yourself, you ask us in this letter, are you justified to be frustrated with your friend? Are you justified to think that she shouldn't be friends with him? You are absolutely justified in those thoughts, right? Your experience of him was really bad. He treated you really poorly and you should, it's totally justified that you want her to see that and hear that and know that and not be friends with him. And no matter how justified we are in our feelings, it doesn't mean that we can change anyone else's behavior, right? We can't, The justification that we have isn't validated by other people. It is not validated by the experiences outside mm. of our bodies. Mm. Your, your feelings are justified because they are your feelings and they, they are rooted in the reality that you have been experiencing. And so it's a sort of a double-edged sword there because it's like you can't, just because you're justified doesn't mean that people are going to change their behavior and you don't need them to change your behavior in order to be justified. <laughs> right? right. Like it's like, it's both of those. It's a sort of, it's a frustrating and awful thing in one hand and it's a liberating thing in the other hand. Right. Because it is, it is so hard to see, to know that your feelings are real and valid and that people just don't see or hear them or care about them. And recognizing that people don't need to see or hear or care about them in order for them to be valid is also very freeing. You don't have to lobby her to your side in order for him to be an abuser. Yeah. He just was. You don't need her to believe it. You don't need her to stop being friends with him. Would that be great? Yes. But the fact that she's still friends with him doesn't mean what happened to you isn't real. Doesn't right. mean what happened to you wasn't abuse. Yeah. And I want to I want to take what something Sam said and, and alter it just a little would it be great if she wasn't friends with him? Uh, what, uh, would it be sure. safer? Would it be more comfortable? Absolutely. Right. Would you, mm. you wouldn't have to live with that dissonance, that feeling of like friction of your reality and somebody else's. Um, but I totally agree with Sam that these things happen. They're co they are happening at the same time, her experience with this person and your experience with this person. From what you said, I do. From from how you wrote it in your letter, I do want to say, like, it sounds like she got you. She sounds like it sounds like she felt true remorse and and compassion um, and whether or not like, I don't know if she forgot about the Snapchat blocking thing or it was just a mistake or or it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. But I, I want to just say, like, let's acknowledge her acknowledgement of you. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and you added that she always hangs out with him in groups. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying this to make any justifications. It's just like when we feel like we understand things more, it makes them more palatable to us at times. And I just want to sure. say that like, she might not be able to control when she sees him, um, or not. Like if, if this is like a group setting and sometimes you show up with your friends and other friends are there. Um, I know that the retort to that is immediately, well, she can control what she puts on her Snapchat. But the truth is people have different, um, you know, task lists in their brain, different emotional. <laughs> I mean, like, they, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to be I want to say she wholly believed you felt true empathy for you 
and tucked that away in her brain for future interactions with this person, right? Mm -hmm. And that she just like forgot about the Snapchat thing. But there's also a chance that she like believed you, understood, but said, I'm, I'm going to still hang out with this person and I'm not going to black my, like, I, I don't know, like, this is all to say you can't control, uh, unfortunately, if this person posts this person or not. I like that you asked. I like that you requested that boundary. But if she can't give it back to you, um, this might be an instance where you block a good friend. That is a thing that can happen. That doesn't mean your friendship mm-hmm. is is any less valuable. It doesn't mean that you're a bad friend, but it just means you want to hang out with that person on terms that feel safe to you. That -hmm. means in person, you two can get together, hang out, right? You just don't need to see her hanging out with other people. That would be, that would be totally reasonable for me. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, like I have totally soft blocked friends of mine that like, you know, talking Same. about the talking about the the first letter about like working through those anxious thoughts. Like, I found that it was easier to do that work to to talk myself off that anxious ledge if I wasn't constantly being you know bombarded with those triggering things. Right? I could do For it sure. better. Um, so, just want to say that that you can like block your friend. Um, Absolutely. Remember that social media gives people people access to us that they haven't had since before social media. And it gives us access to people that we don't necessarily want access to. And so we are, this isn't social media is not an entitlement, right? Like people are not entitled to access to you or for you to always access them. That is not, that's what social media would like for us to think because that's how they make their business happen. But you soft blocking a friend, you not watching a friend's stories, you even blocking this person on Snapchat isn't it is not you taking something that they deserve away from them, right? It is you making a decision that you don't want that access to that part of their life because it hurts you or because it makes you yeah. uncomfortable or reminds you of things or is triggering for you. So like you don't have to watch this person's story to be her friend. You don't totally. have to. You don't have to watch any of our Snapchats to be her friend, right? We we are autonomous human beings who can choose how we engage with other people. So it's I I would encourage you. What I will say to you is you now know that her stories are not a safe place for you to hang out. So don't hang out there, right? And if that means that you have to block her so that the temptation's not there, that's fine. It can also just mean that like when you're looking at your Snapchat, you just skip those stories, right? Yeah. You go to your other friend, right? Just know that that's where it's going to happen. And this is not to throw her under the bus or to make her seem like a bad person because I don't know why she's doing this or like Sierra said. But you know, as a person now, that that that's not a safe place for you. And it's okay for you to not spend time there. You're not you're not doing anything wrong by not spending time there. Yeah. And um, the last thing I want to say is I have been in a situation like this and. I know how like exhausting it can be to feel like you have to protect your own truth and protect other people mm. by convincing them of your truth or, you know, mm-hmm. that there's, yeah. it's, it's the, it's the labor of trying to enforce justice in a unjust world, you know? Mm-hmm. 
this person was bad to me and therefore everyone needs to know that he was bad. And I, that sounds maybe trivial, but like we know that that's the core of a lot of our feelings after breakups, like whether we want to admit it or not. And I just don't, um, I want to encourage you to, if possible, reframe this in your mind or maybe 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 it's already there like this but think don't think about this in terms of a problem you need to solve or a a mission that you need to accomplish or something that makes you feel as though uh, you need to do more to to I don't know to make the world safer to make your friend safe you know I feel I feel a little like uh, conflicted or or like verbally confused <laughs> when talking about this uh, only because like, of course, we want people to be safe and we want people to have information at their fingertips to be able to make um, full and autonomous decisions about the people they spend time with. But this is what I want to say. It is not your duty as the person who was abused by this person to protect the world and to tell the world about their true selves. That is not mm -hmm. your responsibility. That is not on your shoulders. And dare I say, that is not a step to healing, right? Mm -hmm. Speaking your truth, being sure in your truth, for fuck's sake, of course, that's a part of your healing, but protecting um, people from this person uh, doesn't need to be a step in that. I just don't want you to yeah. feel um, like an, a, a weighing responsibility in this. I want you to instead lean into that discomfort of knowing that your ex is out there existing in whatever way they want to be and that people interact with him on a daily basis and that you don't need to anymore, that 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 is no longer yours. That is no longer part of this safe golden space that you are creating for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And I know it's hard when that voice, when that face, when those, that person gets let back in, that's, you know, you never asked for this. You're creating this sanctuary for yourself outside of this relationship and he slipped back in. But it is not your responsibility to be a gatekeeper for all of his relationships, just your well-being. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that can be a hard thing to hear because I think that there's sort of a lot of um, legitimate narratives around the fact that like, well, we need to talk about our abusers so that that people can be aware and they can have all of the facts too. But I also want to, to say too what an onus and what a burden to put on the people who have been abused to, to then put the protection of everyone else on them as well. Mm. Right. Like it's not, you know, it's important for us to recognize the power that comes with sharing our stories about people who have done us wrong in an attempt, like Sierra said, to, to speak our truths and as a side effect of that, or as a consequence of that, finding ways to protect other people from those abusers. But it is not our burden as people who have, have been abused to protect everyone around us from this person, right? It's the onus on the person who's doing the abuse to stop the behavior. And so like, just want to say too, that like, I appreciate that narrative and that both of those things can be true at the same yes. time. 
but that we don't want to conflate the idea of somebody leaning into their truth and speaking out against the people who have hurt them as somehow necessary to protect other people. And if they don't do that, then they're bad people. Then they didn't yes. do enough to protect others, right? Like that's that's not what's happening here. The, the fact is, is that abusers are for to blame for the abuse and not the people who they have abused. Right. Absolutely. We know that this is a tricky situation that has like a million yes and situations in it. <laughs> for um, sure. Yep. And we know that that's particularly hard to deal with, especially when you're trying to, when you're relearning your piece and trying to protect it. But we know you can um, and we mm -hmm. believe in you. Thank you so much for writing my sad little toad. Thank you so much. We love you. We hope this helps. All right. The final letter is coming to us from Cameron is annoyed, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from a place where best friends matter more than girlfriends. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I want you to know, firstly, that I am so thankful for your podcast, this community and the online Facebook group of supportive, loving and wonderful people that you've brought together. Our little Facebook community is such a supportive place and the meetups are just lovely. I also want to say that I got out of a 22 year long abusive relationship with an addict over two years ago and struggle with PTSD and a general feeling that I am damaged because of it. That said, during the time that I was, quote, going through it, I listened to your podcast nearly every day. Woo! Just got super emotional. And it kept me strong, <laughs> determined, focused on getting out of that a trauma bond so deep it felt like Stockholm Syndrome. And I truly can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much, Cameron. Oh. I know. <laughs> uh <laughs> So on to my shit show of a question. I'm a single mom of four kids and started dating a wonderful, supportive man. He, him, let's call him Clark. He shows up. He's dependable. He's funny. The sex is great. And after six months together, he recently met my children and is wonderful with them. I love him. I love being with him. And there is no drama. I do sometimes struggle with the lack of drama because my previous relationship was so full of drastic highs and lows that this feeling, this feels like a friendship rather than the intensity that was always present in my previous relationship which was riddled with lying, love bombing, and typical cycles of abuse. That scares me, but I'm working through it because, as you say, we can and do work through the hurt of our previous relationships in new relationships. I've decided that I will always be healing from that. I am unsure if I will ever be whole again. Clark is supportive of my work on myself, always listens to my shit show of a life, and he just loves me well. When you divorce a narcissist, it never seems to be a clean break, and my ex finds new ways to torment me daily, but Clark is always patient and supportive when my ex is trying to sabotage my or the kids' lives. Of course, with all of these letters, there's always a catch. Want to know what it is? <laughs> LOL. As though the shit show with the ex wasn't bad enough. In order to explain this, I think you need some background on Clark. He also has four kids. 18 years ago, he left baby mama number one and started a friends with benefits situation with a coworker. Both women turned up to be pregnant within eight weeks of each other. Don't get me started on his previous lack of common sense or basic safe sex practices. <laughs> he has learned his lesson. <laughs> He continued to be on again, off again with both women for several years, it seems. He claims that his relationships with the coworker, let's call her Julia, was never a relationship and just a friends with benefits. They are still best friends without the benefits, it seems. She is the mother of one of his children, which makes it difficult for me to be outright rude to this woman. And I would never do that anyway. I told him that I would feel better if I met her and did meet her early on in our relationship. 
Clark and I had a date planned. I was supposed to make him dinner and bring it to him, which I did. But before I left the house, he called and said that Julia was having a bad day and wanted to know if we could take her out to dinner and drinks instead. I put the dinner I made for him in my fridge and headed out to meet this woman. He even invited another friend of his along so it wouldn't be awkward. I wanted to like her. I really did. Be the cool, chill, nothing bothers me girlfriend who trusts her boyfriend and is never jealous. But y'all, she was subtly trying to fuck with me. She was feeding him food from her plate, invited him to go to an overnight trip to see her daughter at college and stay in a hotel with her and told me several times, quote, if you knew Clark, like I know Clark, you would know that he blah, 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 blah. What the fuck ever? <laughs> I was quite annoyed, but it was so subtle that aside from Clark saying after that he wasn't sure why Julia would invite him for an overnight trip, I don't think you saw what I saw. He goes to dinner with her once a week. He tells her things about me and my kids, all the things you would do with your very best friend, except he used to sleep with her for years. I don't think he sees her in any romantic way, and I'm not even entirely convinced that she sees him in that way. My thought is that he is her backup and that she is either consciously or unconsciously trying to sabotage his relationships. Or maybe I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt, and she really is trying to straight up go Julia Roberts to my Cameron Diaz in my best friend's wedding. (laughs) Here's the big issue. He's moving out of his apartment he has lived in for 23 years, and his new place won't be ready for a month. So he is couch surfing for that time. My kids and I said he could stay here with us for a month and I even have a spare room if he is uncomfortable with us sleeping in the same room when my kids are in the house. He has decided to stay with Julia instead on her couch. He didn't even ask me how I felt about it. And whenever I talk about it, he says I'm trying to, quote, push my agenda down his throat. I told him that I need better communication as he hasn't officially told me he's staying with her. He just won't talk about it at all. But I know he is. The move date is getting close and I can't shake the feeling that I won't be strong enough to deal with the month of him living with her. To make matters worse, when I bring up anything about the move, he gives me the silent treatment and goes out with Julia. I know that conflict of this nature triggers my PTSD and it's almost like I freeze and shrink back into my shell and make myself small and agreeable to keep the peace. But I can't help but feel like this is disrespectful of our relationship to not even ask how I feel about this and to ignore my direct questions uh, about where he will be staying when his lease is up or for him to say, quote, I don't know. I know that the level of anxiety I feel has less to do with the actual situation and is more of a PTSD trigger, but that doesn't make it any easier. I'm scared of I will lose him if I push too hard. I also can't shake the feeling that if Julie and I were in a burning car, he'd save her first. Dramatic and over the top, I know. (laughs) But that's where my fucking head is right now. What do you folks think? Is there a solution? I know Clark loves me, but this is a horrible feeling. Sincerely, Cameron is annoyed. Okay, Cameron, my darling, thank you so much for writing and for uh, joining our Facebook group and for participating in this this head and heart work. I'm so proud of you for leaving that abusive, narcissistic relationship um, and for really processing the aftermath. Um, I know that that is a long and hard road, um, but I just want to say you've come so far um, and you've done it all yourself. This is all you, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and I definitely see why this situation is really triggering. <laughs> oh, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. I yeah. think um, it's hard to know when our friends or when our partners are friends with their exes. <laughs> like, I think that that is just such a like, um, 
a common trigger for folks uh, because it is it can just be like, wait a minute, you you agreed to have sex at one point. Like, how are you? And stopping? now you like, don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Like, is there like an on and off switch? How do I make sure to like tape that switch down? <laughs> like, I just want to <laughs> keep it down there. Yeah. Um. So like that's I think that that feeling of of insecurity or jealousy or whatever it is that that is like coming up for you is like a, I think a very natural response or like maybe a very common response that people would have in a situation where you're where your partner is still really good friends with somebody who they had a long term relationship with a long term romantic yeah. and sexual relationship with. So know that you're not alone in in those feelings of being like. Ooh. And right. And also we have the opportunity to choose how we respond to these things. Right. And we have the ability and opportunity to say, yep, I know that I know I know I know he used to sleep with her. That's that's a really that's a really intense thing. It is. And we he's not right now. Like we know that he's we know that he's trying to be with me, that he's trying to that he is in partnership with me, that he has chosen me over this person because right. they're not together. And we are. So. Right. I think that 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 I'm going to have some trust in that. Right. So, yeah, this reaction is normal and you have the also, opportunity to to do exactly what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Which is to say, like, I think that this isn't true. I think that there's there's more to this. I think that that I need to trust myself and trust my partner, because how can I be in partnership with someone if I'm not going to trust them? Yeah, um, this is not what I want to spend my whole time focusing on in, in my response. But I do want to nod quickly at. You know, whenever somebody says that they give the silent treatment, <clears throat> it's like a huge red flag for me. Um, mm. Not like a flaming flag, not not like a. <laughs> Not like a, you know, side of the highway flag, but it is a red flag to me when somebody gives silent treatment because, um, because of my and your, our shared experience with silent treatment with, with abuse. Right. Um, but I do want to say that there, I do, I don't want you to stop believing in your own intuition. I don't want you to stop, you know, asking for what you need, like more communication. But I do think this may be an instance where your trauma um, is, is, is seeking out what reminds itself it, of its trauma, right? That doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. But like, you know, somebody not wanting to, I, I don't know. I just want to say this as like a full Surgeon General's warning. I don't know what's going on in this relationship. I'm not in it. I'm just basing this off of what I'm reading. But I, I think that there's a small possibility that the silent treatment that you're experiencing is maybe just your partner being unable to participate in a conversation as as deeply and as fully as you want. Is mm. it an abuse tactic? I don't think so, but I don't know. That's that's what I just wanted to say is because especially when you're unpacking abuse, when you're dealing with the PTSD of a relationship like the one you were in for 22 years, you are totally taught to see and identify abuse tactics, right? You are totally mm -hmm. taught that somebody not wanting to have a conversation with you or like, excuse me, it is totally reasonable to me that if your boyfriend doesn't want to talk to you about this, that it would, you could say, well, he is going no contact. Like he is, he's withholding that from me as like a way to avoid and control things. 
But I don't know if that's, I I guess I just wanted to point that out is because like you and I and, and Sam know that like it, when you're trying to parse through a new healthy relationship after a long, unhealthy, abusive one, it can be really hard to figure out what's real or not. Um, Mm. I, I, I don't know. I just, (laughs) let me say that again. Let me say that for like the 80th time. I don't know what's happening in here. Um, but I at least wanted to nod at that and say like, okay, so the no contact thing makes me uncomfortable. That is a red mm-hmm. flag to me. And also, I don't know if it is what I am afraid of it being. Mm-hmm. Period. I guess. That was a really long-winded sure. way to say that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think it's I think it's important to call out because silent treatment is such an abuse tactic. Yes. Um, and silent treatment can also just be a Someone's reluctance inability. or an yeah. inability to 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 manage conflict, right? Thank you. And that's, and that's also like that's also a pink flag for me. But yeah, but one of them is like vindictive, and one of them is just like, okay, well, let's see if we can be better at this. Yes, totally. Um, I think it's also important to remember too that like there are different types of conflict that I think are going on here that that maybe you and he are arguing about different things, right? Like, you know, as we think about conflict, there's um, conflict that is material. Like you're arguing about something specific where one of you is getting something that the other one needs or or whatever it is. And then there's also symbolic conflict and relational conflict too, where it's like, oh, it's not about the fact that you won't take out the garbage. Mm, It's mm. about the fact that you don't respect the household, Right. You're not you're not pulling your weight in the shared community that we've. So, like, I'm screaming about you about, like, taking out the garbage and you're like, I don't know what to tell you. I already took out the garbage. Like and it's like it's not about the garbage. Right. It's about this other thing. And I think that that might be happening here where he's on this relational or he's in this argument where it's like she doesn't want me to move in with Julia. There's nothing we can do about that because that's that's what I'm going to do. And so, like, let's just not talk about it anymore because, like, that's decided. There's no conflict there anymore. It's decided. And your conflict is saying you're hanging out with Julia over me. This is speaking about our relationship. This is speaking about how you like her more than me. Or this is speaking about how you're not, you won't engage in this conversation, which means that our relationship isn't working in the way oh my that God, it should genius. be. Right. And so I would encourage you to help him recognize the fact that this is a symbolic conflict. So how can you talk about the way that this is making you feel not in a way of saying you're a bad communicator or you need to communicate differently or this, I can't believe that you're doing this thing. Right. But instead saying the fact that you're going through this process without talking to me about it makes me feel like you don't value my opinion or my feelings. I know that that's probably not true, but the way that you're doing this is, is, is triggering this in me or is, or is I'm, I'm feeling this type of way about it. And like, I know that this is, that this might feel like it's an overreaction to what is just you deciding who you're going to stay with for a month. And here's how it's making me feel. Here's the conflict that I'm feeling about your participation in this relationship. And talking about it in that way might help him sort of get his head out of the ground (laughs) and see like it's not just about the fact that he's staying with julia it's about the what that means for you in this relationship so i think talking to him about that might be helpful yes and and at the same time too doing all the things that you're already doing of reminding yourself of the the past and the things that you've experienced in the past are have rewritten 
some of the the shortcuts that you might make in your head about what things mean, right? Like the fact that he is here, I'll just say this explicitly, right? Like I could imagine after dating six somebody for six months, not wanting to move in with them for a month, especially if there are kids involved, right? Like that that for me would be like that's too much pressure to put a new relationship into to live together for a month. I would much rather like I could totally imagine this happening where like if Peter and I had been dating for six months and I needed some place to stay for a month, I would for sure stay with my friend Merrick (laughs) for that month. Right. Like I just, it would have been too much for me to even think about. I would also say too, like his friend Julia is weird, is like a little bit weird about like trying to assert some dominance over you. And I don't think it's that weird. Like, I don't think that, like, I think that a lot of friends probably try to assert dominance over their friend's new partners. I think it's just like a weird human response. Absolutely. I think Sam and I were talking before recording about this letter and I brought up the idea that, well, first of all, I just want to say, Cameron, like your feelings are totally valid, but let's give ourselves the privilege of a response and not just a reaction. So the reaction is, Mm -hmm. oh my God, this bitch is totally subtly and not so subtly consciously and not so unconsciously trying to keep this person sabotage my relationship. That's a, that's a response, a reaction. (laughs) The response could be, for example, uh, you know, it's just a weird human thing that people do to like establish history with people. Uh, like Mm -hmm. I can, I can imagine a world in which Sam starts hanging out with new friends (laughs) and I would never, (laughs) (laughs) and I feel insecure and I want to somehow slip into the relation into the conversation that Sam and I are really tight. We've known each other for mm-hmm. over a decade that we have this podcast together, that we love each other. We know everything about each other and we share a birthday, you know, like it is a weird <laughs> way that my insecurity would flare up. Right. But that insecurity doesn't automatically mean that I don't want Sam to have more friends. Obviously, Sam and I are not sleeping together. We're not in a relationship, blah, blah, blah. But this insecurity that you have, that that I agree, Julia is acting a little funny, right? But I don't think her weird sure. behavior, I think that behavior is the flex of, of an insecurity, right? Here's mm-hmm. my best friend. He's with somebody new. I want this person this new person to know that I have stake here. It's not that I want to mm-hmm. fuck your boyfriend. It's that we right. have a long-standing, important relationship. And like, it's just, I don't, it's don't think it's like the, the best thing I've ever done, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I have done things like this. And it's, it's a weird territorial thing that we do. I think it's like evolutionary and I, I don't love it. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think Julia was like cool to feed him off of her plate like i can't yeah, that read that weird. sentence without that laughing but sure. um <laughs> but just to help you unpack it just remember that like the the worst case scenario that we often make sense of things with often is just the thing that our our fear goes to first honestly mm. if they slept together what 18 years ago um and and now they don't. That's real. My wife is best friends with two of her exes. And I'm talking <laughs> best friends. I'm talking the people who will would be in our fucking wedding party if we had didn't have a COVID wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk about For fucking sure. having to deal with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I dealt with yeah. that. I'm fine. Um 
But <laughs> I, I say that just to say like those relationships exist and are healthy. They don't exist mm. in our cultural narrative of the way relationships can be. We don't see, we see the Julia Roberts story. We don't see the Absolutely. story in which you, you have an ex and you slept together a long time ago. And that literally has no bearing on your existing relationship. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think especially as, um, as a victim of abuse too, like you're probably really hardwired Protective. to, yeah, to make shortcuts, right. To, to sort of know exactly to, to see what's happening around you and evaluate it immediately yes. being like, okay, what do I need to know here? What's the subtext? What is the thing that's not being spoken as a protective measure, as a way to keep yourself safe in a relationship that was unsafe mm. for you. Mm-mm. But what I want you to do in this situation, both with your, with your boyfriend and with his friend is to describe what's happening without evaluating it, without jumping into it. So instead of saying she was trying to, she was fucking trying to psych me out by doing all these things. I want you to say, okay, she fed him food off his table. She said that thing about how she knows him really well. Um, she laughed at all of his jokes, right? Like these are all just things that And he that went home with me. Right. Absolutely. And we talked about it afterwards and he said a couple of those things were kind of weird, right? Like, just like describing what's happening to try and to try and hotwire your brain into not making those leaps immediately. So when he says he's going to spend a night on a month on this person's couch, he's spending a month on the couch of a friend. Right. Like it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything more than that. Right. So how can you how can you how can you prevent yourself from sort of making those intuitive jumps, which you're really good at because you had to be. And instead, just sort of live in the present moment and and say what's happening around you without necessarily trying to interpret it or and trying to make meaning out of it. It it is not possible to feel fear if you're not playing out the movie of your anxiety in your head. If you're not, if mm. you're not if you're not convinced of the narrative, um, if you, if you stop playing out the, of the terrible circumstances that you are sure are going to happen because, you know, subtext here is you don't deserve someone who would be committed. Like how, how could he possibly, how could she not be a threat? Well, she's not because Mm -hmm. you're wonderful and because they don't have that relationship, (laughs) but you know, the fear goes away when we stop subscribing, when we turn off the movie, right? When we stop believing in that, in the, in those narratives. And I, I just want to say, if it hasn't been already explicitly clear, Sam and I love you and Sam and I deeply, deeply relate to not only your head and heart work journey, but the, the struggles that you're having in this relationship. They're so relatable. They're so understandable. They're so human. And also we can, we can push that. We can push the barriers of that. What does it mean to trust my partner. What does it mean to trust my partner's friends? What does it mean Mm. to trust people? Right. Because Mm. that's what we're talking about here. You know, it's hard. It's hard when people challenge us and, and trigger us and make us feel like the things that we, that are good in our lives are being threatened. Um, Mm. 
And this is all to say, it's not that I don't think that you don't deserve communication from your partner. I just want to say that really quickly that like, yep. you can talk to him about these things, but also if I told, I mean, honestly, my wife, like I said, best friends with two of her exes going on 20 years now, you know, mm-hmm. um, since they dated or whatever. And if I said to her, like, she would think it was so weird that I was like insecure. <laughs> no, no, no. She would validate it, right? Because that's just who she is. But it would be like, I can't believe you think this is a threat. Like, because mm-hmm. she does not see those exes as exes. Those exes are her friends, her best friends, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's just the truth of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. I made a decision a long time ago that I was not going to be in a relationship without trusting people. Like it, it yeah. was just like, what's the point of being in a relationship if I'm not, not going to trust this person? Because it's just, a, it's not, it's not pleasant for me. It's not pleasant for them. And why would I choose to be with someone I don't trust? So like, yeah. I think that that's remembering too, that like trust is, it's easier to trust trustworthy people is right. also something that I found out. And that it is a choice that we make every day. It is something that we can agree to do. Like, I trust Peter because he's trustworthy and because I love him and, and I don't want to be to. in relationship with somebody if I am choosing not to trust them, right? Yeah. Like, which doesn't mean that he, you know, might be like, I'm, he could be cheating on me, right? Like, yeah. he could, like that is a total possibility. And, I don't want to be in the headspace where I'm constantly worried about that. I do yeah. not want to do that with my loved ones anymore. And so I make the conscious decision to say, even if Peter is cheating on me, it's not because I trusted him, right? It's because he cheated on me. It had nothing to do with the fact that I found that I decided to find him trustworthy and decided to extend that trust to him. And so I would tell you the same thing too. Like if your partner is cheating on you with Julia, which by the way, I do not think is happening. Right. But if he is, it's not your fault because you trusted him. It is his fault because he did it. So like, remember that trust isn't this stupid thing that we do. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't make us idiots or doesn't make us susceptible to other people's bullshit. Trust is a beautiful, wonderful thing that we yes. that we can choose to participate in. And we can and I love that trust is something that we as humans are capable of. It it I love the idea that we have so much faith in the abundance of the world that we can like be around other people and say, like, you know what? I don't think you're gonna hurt me. I think that we we can be working together on this. Totally. I think that's beautiful. And Honestly, Cameron, I feel like I could say, I feel like Sam and I could talk about this letter for an entire hour because there's a lot here. There's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of triggers. Um, and there mm-hmm. are a lot of unknowns still. Like we we don't know the ins and outs of your relationship. We only know what you shared. Um, so before I say the last thing I want to say, please know that I feel like I could keep talking to you forever. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. Uh, but the last thing I want to say is has nothing to do with your boyfriend and it sure as hell has nothing to do with Julia. Um, You write that you're unsure if you will ever be whole again after this 22 year abusive relationship. And I know that it is hard to believe this and feel this. Um, 
especially when we are still fresh out of heartbreak. You are still technically fresh out of this relationship, but you are whole even even as you are hurting. You are whole even after you've been broken. You are whole even as you learn and grow and become the person that you are right now. Um, I know that other people make us feel broken. Other people make us feel like we are less than or something that needs a problem to be solved or we are an imperfect version of a perfect self that we will become one day when we get it right, when we're actually smart, when we actually make the right decisions, when we're worthy. Um, But that is an equation of constantly underselling ourselves. If we think that there is some magical threshold that we will pass through in which we become whole, in which we become worthy of goodness, um, we we are never going to pass that. We are, we are whole and worthy right now, even in our brokenness, even in our imperfection, um, because because there is no wholer self. There is no wholer, holier version of you than the version of you right now as is. Um, and Sam and I see it. It's miraculous. It's beautiful. It's it, it is actually awe-inspiring that you have made it right now to this moment um, in your whole and imperfect broken self. And that's what I want to leave you with. I love it. We love you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for writing, Cameron. We hope this helps. All right, this brings us to uh, the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we want to set you up with something that we love. So this week, we are sending you home with... (laughs) This really uh, (laughs) recent television show uh, called Downton Abbey, um, which... Uh, Sam and I have been laughing about for like a month now. We la- we text about Downton Abbey and laugh about the fact that it's like <laughs> 12 years old or something and that we're uh, just, Sam thinks that we've aged into it, which is couldn't be truer. No, honestly. Okay. So the show came out in 2011 and I watched the first season when it, in 2011 and I was like, this is dumb. I don't, like, I don't know why anyone would want to watch this show. Um, and now in, uh, in my uh, dotage I have realized that this is the dotage. best show on television I don't understand why everyone isn't watching it right now um 10 years is, later <laughs> yes 10 years later it is just so heartwarming and so devastating and so mm. funny mm. I like I watch it and then I laugh out loud and Peter thinks I'm laughing at him because oh he's like he's like what what did I do and I was like no, I'm laughing at the show. He's like, it's Downton Abbey. And I was like, yes, it's Yes, it's funny, so Peter. funny. <laughs> it uh, for so folks good. who don't know, this is a show that aired on PBS uh, 10 years ago. and Peak, peak um, Sam aesthetic right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It is about um, a uh, noble family in Britain. In um, It starts in 1912 with the sinking of the Titanic. And then it sort of follows them for decades afterwards. Um, and it follows both the family itself who own this estate called Downton Abbey and then also the servants that work there um, and all of the politics and relationships that exist within um, sort of the upstairs downstairs thing. Um, it's cheesy and it's kind of dumb in some ways, but it it's is not, also just it's not like cheesy, so it's just like it's like a it's like a novel. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's, it's like yeah. a paperback <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Yep. And. 
it's just it's just so good it is just i totally understand why people were obsessed with it when it came out and i am mad at myself for not enjoying it sooner but that is like i keep like trying to think of blind dates and it's like all i'm doing is watching Downton Abbey. i know <laughs> so, like, y'all sometimes we I just have like, nothing else to give <laughs> you'll know the truest version of ourselves when we give blind dates like this <laughs> um so watch it maggie smith is just oh my god delightful delightful it's She's so, so good. funny sam oh repeatedly god, so funny. sam texts me at least twice a week with like a downton update like oh my god the show is so funny or all caps. I am sobbing like a child. <laughs> yes. Yep. I literally one of the most recent episodes I watched. I cried like a baby. It was yes. awful. Um, but also like great. Like it was such a you know, it's so yeah. it's so rare that a show will make me cry like that. Right. Like yes, where I totally. feel so connected to the characters where it's like so well written and so um, beautifully acted that it was like. Oh, I feel I so feel what these people are going through in this moment. Um, and just like really oh, appreciated that. that. So um, check it out. You might have heard of it. It's pretty obscure. Like no <laughs> one's ever watched it before. Uh, it's called Downton Abbey. It is. I believe what is happening right now is that it is recently all now uploaded to Netflix. Yes. So that is where I'm watching it because I'm also seeing like a lot of folks on like Twitter and and not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Oh on like God. Instagram, I've seen a lot of people like post pictures of tweets on Instagram of people. No, you've like, just watching been searching Downton Abbey. Down don't lie. So, That's an algorithm yeah, thing. It's not like. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yes. Downton so Abbey. it's called Downton Abbey. It's available on Netflix. Watch it. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and maybe now TikTok. Ah! just break up pod (laughs) yep you can slide into our dms send us are there dms on tiktok i fucking don't even know Mm -hmm. all right anyway Mm -hmm. you can slide into our dms send us your favorite relationship memes but most importantly you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com which is also where you can find our merchandise please remember to follow subscribe give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, managing, good friending by our buddy Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify under the Big Cats. And remember, it's time to release control over the things you cannot change. Release control over the things you cannot accept. Instead of wanting the universe to move or act or end up in a certain way, trust that it is working on your behalf. Be calm in the chaos, comfortable in the discomfort let go and allow and if all else fails just break up <laughs>